0: Amen. Well, good morning. A warm welcome to All Saints today. A particularly warm welcome if it's your first time, if you're visiting us. We're so glad that you could join us. Uh, My name's Tom. I'm one of the curates here at All Saints. And it's great to be back. Uh, I've been away for the last two or three weeks, mostly in India with our interns on their mission trip. And then we got back uh, late on Sunday night last week, and then we've been up with the rest of the staff team in Haragas at the New Wine Leaders Conference. So it's great to be back Back at All Saints. We had a wonderful time in India. God did amazing things. I, w- I was mostly training pastors out there and the interns were putting on a youth conference and working in schools and with some of the youth groups um, in the Church of the Good Shepherd out there. We had, we had a fantastic time, it was pretty full on. We got there, um, we got to Dubai at midnight, flew out from Dubai at 3 a.m., arrived to campus at what, English time, was an ungodly time in the morning. India was the middle of the day, and as we drove in, they said, We're so glad you're here. Pastor Tom, you're preaching at the youth service in half an hour. Is that okay? And the week kind of went on from that. So we had we had a really we we really enjoyed it and God did wonderful things. About three days in, I managed to get about half an hour to myself and I went out and found a quiet place. I said, God, this is wonderful but I do not think I can last the full week. I cannot keep going at this pace anymore. Um, and I opened up my journal, and I found the last line that I'd written in my journal before coming to India. And I thought, ah, oh, that's what it was. So in my journal, I'd written, Lord, please put me in a place where I'm going to have to rely on you. What a stupid prayer. Uh, (laughs) I burst out laughing as soon as I read it. Um, And then we we came back, had one day to spend with Sarah and Sophia, and then we're straight up to Harrogate, so it's nice to be back now and to have more time with family. Um, But in Harrogate, too, we had this incredible two days together with church leaders around the country, and I was really struck by all the conversations I had over those two days. There was a real sense among each one of the leaders who'd come from churches from all over, just this desperation for God to move. This real hunger for, to meet with God, this hunger to depend on Jesus, and this sense that, that business as usual will not be enough. Uh, we were particularly thinking of our ministries and the churches that we were leading and, and looking at what was coming up and saying, Lord, we want so much more than what we're seeing, and just our effort is not going to get us there. Uh, and we met with God very powerfully, but the, the prayer that I prayed, and I've been praying all this week is quite simply, Lord Jesus, it has to be you. It, it has to be you. Uh, and I'm praying that particularly looking at, at our church here in All Saints and praising God for what he's doing here. and longing, longing for so much more, longing for so many more people to discover God's love, longing for so many more of us to, to find breakthrough in the situations we're contending in, longing for God to do so much more among us and knowing that there's nothing I can do about any of that except pray. Lord, it has to be you. I don't know what the situation that that you're bringing this week is, don't know what's going on in your life or your family or your job, Um, don't know what the worries or anxieties that you're currently sitting with are. But I want to invite you to pray with me this week, whatever it is you're facing, whatever's on your heart, Lord, it has to be you. I'm, you know, I'm sure, like me, you're probably running at full tilt, doing all that you can, working really hard to support those that you care about, to be a good friend and a good wife or husband or mum or dad or friend, working really hard at work, trying to be a good employee, a good boss. But there comes a point where we reach the end of our own strength, and it just has to be the Lord who moves And that's what we see as we read Matthew 5 this morning. We're starting a new sermon series looking at Jesus' teaching through the Sermon on the Mount. And some of my favorite verses in the Bible here in the Beatitudes, where Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God and the kind of people who belong to God's kingdom. And and the message of the first half of Matthew chapter 5 is very much that God, it has to be you. Will not do if it's just me in my own strength. Uh, And we see that with the first beatitude. Jesus stands up to preach and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, And to understand the beatitudes, tone is everything. Um, The Greek word is makarios, not eulogatos. What that means is he's not saying the person God blesses does this, but it's saying this is the place that God's blessing already is. The Sermon on the Mount, it's not imperatives we've got to obey. It's not disciplines or practices we've got to do. Rather, the Beatitudes, they're descriptions, they're dispositions, they're, they're lenses through which we can view the world. In a nutshell, it's not saying, be poor in spirit. But it's saying, when you come to the end of yourself, rejoice because God is right there with you. Do you see the difference? It's not Try harder be more poor in spirit be more meek be more humble be more hungry but when you've come to the end and you've got nothing left rejoice celebrate blessed are you because in that place god is right there with you and it's when we come to the end of ourselves that god is able to move through us that's what we read about the kingdom of god throughout matthew's gospel in matthew 18 jesus says that the kingdom belongs to those who are like little children What do little children do? They look upwards in trust to their mum and their dad, trusting that the parents will sort it all out. That's what we are to be like with God. In Matthew 19, Jesus says something very challenging to us here in Woodford. He says, it is impossible for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Why does he say that? Because if someone's rich, if they've got money or status or power or influence in this world, when difficulty comes, when trouble comes, the first reaction is to look to your own resources to fix it. The more powerful um, or privileged you are in the world's terms, the more naturally you will look to yourself to fix your problems. And if we have that attitude of self-reliance, it is impossible for us to enter the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom belongs to those who are poor in spirit. Those who come to the end of themselves. Those of us who don't look to ourselves for the answers but to God. Those of us who are marked not by entitlement but by humility. Not by self-reliance but by dependence on him. Is that how we're coming before him this morning? All the Beatitudes are the same in that sense. They're different angles, different lenses into this same truth. That the kingdom of God is for those who come to the end of themselves And say, Lord Jesus, it has to be you. It has to be you. And so this morning I'm confronted with the question as I read these verses. Am I coming to him aware of my need? Or self-sufficient? Am I coming to him mourning, grieving over the pain and brokenness of this world? Or comfortable and apathetic? Uh, am I coming to him meek and humble or entitled and self-reliant? That's the question for us because so often, I, I know that it's true of me that I am, I'm apathetic about my sin. I'm apathetic about the needs of the world. I'm just sitting back in my comfort zone. So often, I, this is particularly true of me. We had a lovely dinner with friends last night and I got given a big portion and they said, this is the big, the big portion of food for Tom because he's always hungry. So often, I'm more hungry for what's in my stomach and uh, what my body wants than I am for the kingdom of God and for righteousness. So often true of me. But the good news of the Beatitudes is that Jesus did not come to teach us what to do. Jesus came to make us what he teaches It's a huge difference. He doesn't say be more poor in spirit, but he says, when you come to the end of yourself, come to me, depend on me, trust in me, lean on me, rely on me. And yours is the kingdom of heaven. When you come to the end of yourself, rejoice for God is with you. And in the kingdom of God, there is grace for the empty. That that's what we continue to see through this passage. In verse 17 to 20, Jesus goes on a bit of a tangent. And the Pharisees are clearly criticizing Jesus for not listening to the Old Testament. So he's kind of clarifying the relationship that Christians are to have with the Old Testament. And in verse 17, he says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He's relocating the Old Testament in its proper place that we don't have to follow every single rule step by step by step because Jesus has come to bring to completion the purpose of the Old Testament. It's all pointing to him and he's declaring the triumph of grace that it does not depend on everything that I do but on what he has done for me. That's why in verse 20 he says, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not Enter the kingdom of heaven. This is a mic drop moment in the first century. There would have been shock as he said this. Because the Pharisees were the moral ones. They were the good people. They were the moral majority. The crowds listening to Jesus would have looked at the Pharisees standing there looking very shiny, doing everything right. And would have thought, I could never be that good. I could never be that spiritual, I could never be that good a follower of God, I could never be that good a friend, I could never work that hard, I could never attain to the level that they've they've attained. The Pharisees made everyone else feel inadequate. And so picture yourself as the crowds listening to Jesus, thinking, I could never be as good as them, they're the ones God is pleased with. And Jesus says, unless you're even better than them, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Pharisees would have been mortally offended because they thought they'd got there by their own efforts. But what Jesus is saying is such good news for you and me because he's saying it is impossible by our own effort to get there. It's impossible just by trying harder to please God. It's impossible just by trying harder to be perfect. We cannot do it. But a greater righteousness is available to you and to me, greater even than the Pharisees, greater than the person who makes you feel the most inadequate, Jesus offers us instead His righteousness. Jesus is the only one who perfectly fulfills the description in the Beatitudes, the only one who was perfectly pure in heart, the only one who was perfectly a peacemaker, the only one who is perfectly meek, the only one who is perfectly hungry for righteousness. Jesus is the only one that the Beatitudes truly describe. And He came and lived for you and me the perfect life that we should have lived and could never live, and died for you and me, the death that we deserve to die. And so by trusting in Jesus, he offers us his righteousness, his perfect life. We're accepted in him. And the message is that by trying harder, you will never get there. But by coming to him poor in spirit and saying, Lord, I'm empty and I need you, it will have to be you. We have what we could never have earned for ourselves. In the kingdom of God, there is grace for the empty, there is grace for the guilty, there is grace for everyone. And it's found in Jesus. And that's where these words about salt and light come in, in verse 13 and 14. Jesus talks about the difference that people who depend on God in this way will make in the world. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Because you and I, as we depend on God, as we come to him this morning, empty and broken, and say we need a greater righteousness than we could ever have earned for ourselves, as he changes us and fills us with his love, we're sent out into the world as agents of this upside-down kingdom. What what does salt do? It, It gives flavor. It prevents corruption. We're to be like just what salt is for food. We're to be in society giving flavor to the communities and relationships that we're in because we stand for grace. Preventing corruption, standing for purity, supporting the health of the society that we live in because we're shaped by a dependence of, on God and not by a self-orientation, a self-righteousness, a self-centeredness that destroys all relationships. We're to be the light of the world. They're words that... Uh, were originally intended for Israel to be to shine to show the nations what living God's way looked like, and when Israel couldn't do it, Jesus came and was described as the light of the world. And in you and in Jesus, you and I are made to those lights. We are to shine in our families and our workplaces and our communities, not in our own strength because we could never do it, but depending on Him to bring that grace and love to those around us who need it so sorely. Not us, but Christ in us. So I want to invite you this morning to join me in praying the prayer that I've been praying the whole of the last week. And I'm going to keep praying this week, which is just to look at my life, to look at my relationships, to look at the dreams and the worries that I carry and to say, Lord Jesus, it has to be you. It has to be you. I'm giving it everything I've got and I'm not going to get there. I cannot do it by myself. Just by trying harder, I'm not going to be a better husband or a better dad. I'm not going to be a better vicar. I'm not going to be better just by trying harder. I can't do it. I'll burn myself out and I'll end up weary and broken and depressed. I have to fall on my knees and say, Lord Jesus, I'm poor in spirit. I do not have enough, but you have everything that I could ever need. You have hope when I am hopeless. You have strength when I am weak because in the kingdom of God, the first are last and the last first and he has everything that we need. So this morning, do you feel weak? Rejoice because God is with you. Do you feel weary? Rejoice because God is with you in that place. Do you feel insufficient? In the face of your insufficiency, rejoice because God is there with you. Do you feel inadequate? Rejoice because he is adequate for you. That is the great truth of the Christian faith. We don't have to be enough. He's already done it all. And when we come to him, we receive his blessing. We stand in his strength and we are sent out to be salt and light in his power. And this week, I want to say as I finish that there is always more. There is always more of Jesus' love available in your life. There is always more of Jesus' power. There is always more of Jesus' grace in your life, in your family's life, in your work and your community. There is always more that God can do. If we just come to him in brokenness and dependence, if we say sorry for the ways that we orient to ourselves, and if we ask him to break into our lives with his love and his grace and to lead us in dependence on him, Can I invite you to stand? And if Robbie would like to to come back up, we're going to pray and worship God in response.